Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It is Blake Sorensen back with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast. Week 3 recaps are here. We got a lot to talk about. We got a new segment called the State of the Union for a couple of teams. We're going to be addressing what's going through their head right now. What should their outlook be on the rest of this season? I know it's only week 3. We've only played 3 football games, but the future is kind of written in stone for a couple of these teams so i just want to talk about them uh also um we're going to be just reviewing every game if you're new here um friday we are going to be going over previews for week four which is looking to be a fun week we actually have a solid thursday night football game it's not going to be a great football game i don't think but we're going to get to see two young quarterbacks play against each other so that should be a fun one um but yeah and we're also going to have our best bets which for you guys that were playing along last week, we went four and one. So, eh, maybe, maybe. This is when I might be looking like, hmm, maybe that Blake guy has a couple tricks up his sleeve. But, yeah, it was, we, we did pretty well. We went four and one on that front, which, unfortunately, I should have followed some of my own advice because I told you guys where I was leaning. I was leaning Washington plus eight and a half. Um, um, there was another one. Las Vegas minus three and a half. I'm done betting minus three and a half favorites. It's going to be the death of me. I bet the Rams two weeks ago. They won by a field goal. I bet the Raiders this week. They won by a field goal. It's just, uh, it's not good for my health. And then I also bet the over and the Chargers Chiefs game at 55 and a half. And 54 points were scored. And you know what the saddening thing was? The line went down. I bet it early in the week, and then it ended up going down to 54. So majority of America is probably celebrating, but I'm pissed off about that one. Um, all joking aside, we're going to go ahead and get into this podcast right now, which is going to be the week three review. Um, if you guys are watching on the YouTube, make sure you drop a like on the video. Go ahead, drop in the comment section what the most surprising performance of the week was, whether it was Maybe Jalen Hurts stinking up Monday Night Football in a game that I was actually really excited about. Maybe it was the 49ers' offensive struggles, and I know they scored 28 points, but they had offensive struggles in that Green Bay game. Maybe it was the piss-poor Justin Fields' performance, which we're going to get into and why that is not entirely his fault. Got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Go ahead, drop in the comments what the most surprising performance, good or bad, was of the weekend. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you guys head over to STB Sports on the YouTube. We have a lot of fun stuff going on. From two weeks ago, we have a play of the week, which now that All-22 is back in some capacity, I'm hoping we get entire film for this game. The For week two, it was scattered. They didn't have plays for every single game, but I am planning on releasing good um, film breakdown-ish type of content on the YouTube. Those are super fun for me to produce, and I know you guys love them as well. So if you only listen on the podcast, I would greatly encourage you guys to head over to the YouTube, STB Sports, watch it here, go ahead, drop the comment that I mentioned before, and subscribe. You know, we have some awesome content there. Share with a friend if you see a video that you're like, damn, this was some really good content. Um, I think that is going to wrap it up for all our introductory things. Let's get right into it. Bucks Rams. Game of the week going in. Some people would have told you Chargers Chiefs. No, Bucks Rams. I love this Rams team. I love the defensive pieces they had. And boy, oh boy. The thing that stood out to me the most in this game, two things for the Rams, okay? Deshaun Jackson is a legit weapon for this Rams team. And I said it when they, I can't remember, did they sign him in free agency? Did they trade for him? But when they acquired Deshaun Jackson in whatever capacity it was, I said, holy crap. That coupled with Matthew Stafford's cannon of an arm is going to be problematic for a lot of teams. I'm not saying pick up Deshaun Watson in fan or Deshaun Jackson in fantasy. I'm not saying Deshaun Jackson is going to be the most important wide receiver on this Rams team. No, nobody's going to top Cooper Cup and the amazing Robert Woods. No, but what he adds to this offense with that quarterback and Matthew Stafford, dangerous, dangerous, and we saw it in the Bucks game. They tried early on, couldn't get it. Tried a little bit later, were able to get it. And I think they had one more shot that ended up, should have drawn a P.I. I can't remember if they accidentally, if they did call the flag on it. But I think there was one where it should have been a P.I. down the field. That is terrifying. Okay, because Deshaun Jackson, no, he is not the guy that he was in Philadelphia and even for a little bit in Washington there. He's not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. But what he is, is a good compliment. Okay, he, when he comes on the field, you have to think, okay, big plays coming, big plays coming. Maybe you're not, maybe you're running duo, you know, maybe you're running some RPO. 
Maybe you aren't running some crazy deep shot to Deshaun Jackson. But what we saw last weekend is an absolute threat that every NFL defense and defensive coordinator and safeties and cornerbacks are going to have to come into that Los Angeles Rams game, whether it's in SoFi or you, you're hosting them in the guest locker room, and say, holy crap. We got we to gotta figure out a way to stop Deshaun Jackson, even if they don't throw it to him once. That's going to be a pain for a lot of teams. <clears throat> and I really, like, when they got him, I was like, okay, this is something here that they can utilize. We didn't see it week one. We saw it with Van Jefferson in that Chicago game on Sunday night. We saw him kind of being in that capacity. Last week, we didn't see too much. And then, boom, Deshaun Jackson this game. He's going to be big for them going down the road. Just the threat that he poses, the ability that he has to get vertical. He's a savvy, deep route runner that, that I don't think people give him a lot of credit for. He is savvy with those deep routes. Deshaun Jackson is a huge pickup. My other thing. Sean McVay, okay. He, I think there might be a case for Sean McVay being the most underappreciated coach in the NFL. I know a lot of people are sitting there like, Blake, people talk about Sean McVay as top five play caller and all this. Yes. But every time I watch, I'm like, dude, he is way better than I think people give him credit for. A lot of people seem to think that there's a gap between Shanahan and McVay. I don't think there is. Maybe in terms of just play calling. As a head coach, I do think Shanahan is better. I think he's more aggressive. I like some of the uh, fourth down decisions that Shanahan makes over McVay. But in just terms of sheer offensive play calling, I don't think there's anybody that does it better than Sean McVay. Okay. The great, like, there were just so many interesting plays in here that I was like, wow, that is cool. So he lines up. One of them, and I hope I hope I get the film for this. I would really love to do a breakdown on these two plays to show why I thought it was so interesting. So he's going to line up, and he runs this bunch formation with tight ends. I believe all three of them were tight ends. Maybe it was Robert Woods. So that's to the – oh, gosh, I'm getting my sides mixed up. But that was to one side, and then he had a wide receiver on the other side. They ran duo off of this, which is a man-blocking scheme. Okay, you the way that I kind of recognize that it's duo is if – the center is blocking backside. I did a little bit of research because I've been hearing it talked a lot about. And I'm like, well, okay. It's a little bit hard sometimes to to notice some differences. Are they man blocking to the second level or zone blocking to the second level? So inside zone, center is most likely going to block play side. So if you're running to the left or it is designed to go to the left, Right, because you know, inside zone you could have a cutback. If the play is designed to go to the left, the center will block play side. In duo, center is most likely blocking backside. So they lined up these trips tight ends to the right, and then it's a handoff to the left side, center goes to the right. That told me duo. I could be wrong. If you guys know the play I'm talking about and some super crazy O line wizard is in here and is like, Blake, you are such a freaking idiot. Go to the YouTube, let me know in the comments. I love being told I'm wrong so I can learn more. So he runs duo out of that, right? Then he runs the exact same formation later on in this drive. I want to say it was about second and six. Um, flipped. So the tight ends are on the left side now or vice versa. My memory is horrible. And the wide receiver is alone on the other side. So he has this trip tight end. And you could just tell that defense is looking like he's going to give us this, this freaking duo again. Like, what is this guy thinking? Zone. Inside zone. Beautiful. It picked up like seven yards. But just things like that are so just underappreciated, in my opinion, with Sean McVay. The touchdown to Tyler Higby, fascinating. Fascinating. He has Tyler Higby lined up alone on the right side. And they have the running back, so essentially that is, a defense could be looking at as a twins concept because that is a threat out of the backfield. So you have trips to the left, twins to the right. I don't, uh, would it be called twins if the running back's in the backfield? I don't know. Two threats on the right side. McVeigh motions the running back across. So now you're getting quads and a solo guy on the right side being Tyler Higby. It didn't take a lot for it to work. The the nickel, I believe it was a nickel to that side. It might have been a linebacker starts to creep. His head gets turned that way. Starts to creep, 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 creep. And then boom. Tackle and guard release for a screen. Tyler Higby comes back for the ball. Catches it. They easily block that guy. The guy who was going to cause problems if it was a screen, maybe get a tip or maybe just easily tap. He draws him in. Easy block for right tackle. Just cake. It might have been the right guard. 
And then I think it was actually right tackle and then right guard kind of came through in almost like a pulling capacity, took that safety. Uh, the corner just had to come in for this, this piss-poor leg tackle that Tyler Higby just ran through because he's a 240-pound man. Yeah, um, stuff like that's going to happen. So I just love like They're just small little things. Just He knows how to use motion in rub routes. Oh, my God. I don't think anybody runs rub routes better than, than Sean McVay. We talk about, oh, Cooper Cup is such a great person. He is. His routes are phenomenal. He's one of the best in the league at that. But there are so many times when Cooper Cup is just wide open. Wide open. And I'm like, what the heck? Cooper Cup is good at running routes, but he's running these against some the world-class cornerbacks. Like, what is going on here? And then you're like, oh, my gosh. That was a spectacular screen by Robert Woods and Sean McVay in the play calling department. He understands how corners are going to move, where they're going to move so well. And he understands he doesn't need a lot. A little shoulder rub or, or getting a guy's eyes caught and slowly drifting so he doesn't just break on that screen play to Tyler Higby. Small things. Small things that he disguises so well. There was a play last year that I talked about when um, it was pretty much just the difference between a, a man blocking scheme and then showed the exact same look. Corner bit inside. Uh, cornerback or wide receiver just kind of screened him and then he bounced it outside and took it for about 40 yards. I think it got called back for a hold. But just small little nuances like that with Sean McVay. I notice it so much in his play calling. I don't know why. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know why I notice Sean McVay stuff way more than I notice anybody else's on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. Maybe I just need to, <laughs> maybe I need to watch more Shanahan film like that but I just love the things that Sean McVay does with this offense and Matthew Stafford opens it up so much it's such a blast um Jalen Ramsey man I do not know why people continue to run screens or flats or anything to his side there is no better corner and run support they're starting to line him up in that that nickel or star role as some people are referring it to I think it's pretty much just a nickel um and he is getting dirty shedding uh, tight ends to make plays in the backfield. He's getting nasty and run support. Jalen Ramsey is a freaking dog, man. By far and away, the most versatile corner in football. Best? I would probably crown him the best, although I think the guy that gives him some some contention there in Jair Alexander is definitely in the conversation as well. But in terms of being able to do so many things, man up a guy, take away his own, the best in run support, although Jair tackles his ass off. I just, man, I don't know why people still throw screens to the side. It's going to be a loss of four yards. I just, just stop doing it. Run it to the other side. Um, corner routes, I think, are going to be a big thing that that destroys the Rams. Whether they're running the the two, like cover two type things, or whether they're even running quarters looks, because quarter has to react off of that outside. It's funky. I don't understand all the intricacies of it and, and assignments versus certain formations and all those lines. Maybe that would be an interesting thing for me to do a play on the week on so I can learn a lot more about quarters, uh, coverage, responsibilities, all that. But the ability for Tampa Bay to attack them on those corner routes, which is the soft zone in cover two, and it, you can even manipulate cover four to open up that area in certain ways. That's going to be kind of a problem with this Rams defense. The Bucks were hitting it a little bit, a little bit inconsistent on some things here and there. But I think if a team really dials in on that, that's something that could be used to make this defense pay. Overall, though, spectacular showing by the Rams. Frustrated this Bucks offense. Did a very good job just not going away right the game started a little bit on not the highest note for them and they just kept going i think they started off with two three and outs offense was not looking great and they just kept at it kept at it kept at it kept at it for the bucks okay you lost a game it's not the end of the world you played potentially the best team in football right now and it could still be you but you just you don't know these are high class football teams some of the best in the business you don't walk away from this game in my opinion too irritated with a loss against a good team you didn't lose to some crappy team in your division you played in my opinion not that well so i think if you are a bucks fan there is some ability for you to be like we haven't played our best football because i really don't think you guys have in that dallas game the offense was sloppy there was crappy turnovers there was fumbling the ball there was bad interceptions thank you leonard fournette it just things didn't really seem 
crisp in this one. Okay, there were some drops. I think Gronk had a drop. Just I don't know. Everything seemed a little bit off in this one. Kind of similar to how I felt about Dallas for a handful of plays, and I think it screwed them over on some third downs. There were just some small things that I was like, mm, I don't know. I still don't think the Bucks have played their best football, so that's encouraging. Okay, if you're a Bucks fan or just a Tom Brady homer, don't panic. We know this story every year with the Bucks. They're gonna lose a game. They're not gonna look great. Everybody's gonna panic and be like, "Oh my God, this is the year Brady's done." No, we learned our lesson last year with the Saints and the Bucks. They are fine. Teams win football games. Two teams in NFL history have gone 17 and 0. Okay, two teams. Relax. They are fine. However, I have some real problems with this defense, especially. Dallas kind of laid out this blueprint week one with the Bucks, And in my opinion, they have solid cornerbacks. It's not that they don't have good corners, okay? Um, Dean and uh, Carlton Davis are both solid NFL players, okay? I'm not saying they're bad. But when they go up against guys like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, these offensive coordinators have the belief, and it may very well be a truth, that their wide receivers are better than your cornerbacks. Really. Kellen Moore in Dallas did that. Amazingly. And Collinsworth was talking about it too. He's like, Kellen Moore just knows his guys are better than these corners, even though they're solid corners. It looked like McVay had a similar um, uh, deposition in this one where he was like, yeah. You're good. We're better. You are good, but we are better. And I think that's going to be a problem with the Bucks going forward if they have to play teams like a Green Bay or like a Dallas or like the Rams again. Or maybe the Seahawks could give them some trouble if they're having that. Or another one who people I wanted to write off before this weekend who could be a sneaky team if they get... We're going to talk about them a little bit later, but the Vikings... That is a team whose wide receivers are better than your cornerbacks. And then also the slot problem. This is something I, I was preaching about coming into the season. I said, Sean Murphy Bunting is going to get exposed by good slot corners, okay? Like a C.D. Lamb, like a Cooper Cup, like a third and Renfro. Good slot corners, a Cole Beasley. Um, who else? A Christian Kirk, a Rondell Moore. Um, yeah, it's just they, or, um, maybe a Tyler Boyd, a Tyler Lockett if they line him up out there. It's going to be rough with Sean Murphy Bunting. They lost him. He's out. He's on IR right now. And Ross Cockrell made a play or two. But overall, you can tell teams are coming in, looking at this Tampa Bay defense and saying, you have a weakness there. Your nickel cornerback is bad. Your nickel coverage is bad. And we are just going to abuse you there. Teams have done it so far. And teams are going to continue to do it unless they figure it out. What's the solution? Maybe blitz more. Maybe bring pressure so they don't have time for that gaping hole to open up so much. And then they're going to have to beat you quick. And then maybe you can come down and make tackles. Maybe that's the solution. I don't know. I'm not a defensive coordinator. That would be my guess on what I'd want to do. Because that is just a gaping hole right there. And teams are going to continue to abuse them. 11 personnel is going to be the death of this Tampa Bay Bucks team. If they play a team like Oakland, oh, damn, Las Vegas, who's going to come out in, in 12 personnel? Then they're going to have success. If you can stay in your base defense, which is kind of an archaic statement because base is kind of nickel now. But if you can stay in your base defense, you're like, okay. We can do this. We can give you fits and trouble you. But if a team is going to run 11 on them, it's going to be a long day. If we see the Vikings offense that we saw yesterday with that with those three wide receivers, it's going to be a long day for the Bucks. If we see an interesting one whose team I don't think is necessarily particularly great, but I think could give Tampa Bay a lot of trouble, is Arizona. With those wide receivers, Rondell Moore, uh, um, Hopkins, Christian Kirk is playing really well this year, and you have Kyler Murray. That is a team that's going to spread everything out. They run empty with five wide receivers. They do weird stuff like that. Thank you, Cliff Kingsbury and Big 12. Um, but that's something that could give the Bucks a lot of trouble. 
So just just keep an eye on that going down the road. Teams that are going to run 11 personnel on them, I think, are going to give Tampa Bay a lot of trouble. Um, some other notes that I had, Ryan Jensen is a bad MFer. I, re- oh, I should have just said it. No, no, we're keeping it PG-13. Ryan Jensen is a bad MFer. He's a dog. Doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He is probably on the level of Kelsey and um, guys of that caliber. He really is. He's a beast. People don't give him enough credit. Ryan Jensen is bad. He He's probably the best offensive lineman on that team this year with Tristan Worf being a little eh. Um, and I know a lot of people are probably thinking right now with some struggles on the Bucks' offensive side of the ball, you're like, Blake, oh my gosh, they need to run the ball. They need to run the ball. I mean, why are they not running the ball more? Would you want to give Leonard Fournette 20 carries a game? Would you want to give Ronald Jones 20 carries a game? They're not good at it, right? And this is why it makes no sense to me. If they were good running the football, like Philadelphia was on Monday night, which we will get into that, okay, I could see it. If you were averaging six, seven yards a pop, I'd be like, run the ball more. Please, please do. This offensive running game does not look good. It doesn't look good at all. I do not want to give my crappy running backs more carries, even if it is behind a great offensive line. They don't they don't hit the holes. They're not they're they're not good. Those running backs are not good. I think people really underestimate how bad those guys are because they saw Leonard Fournette play pretty well in the playoffs. They're not good. You don't want like if they had a guy like a David Montgomery or a Miles Sanders and they were making things happen when you were giving them these carries, I might be like, okay. I totally agree with you there. I don't. They're fine. They played a great defense, a well-coached defense. It's just, it's not a problem. They do not need to run the ball more. If it was effective, then I'd be like, go ahead. It does, they are not good at running the football. Why do you want them to do something they're not good at? And again, I have a similar point when we talk about Philadelphia later. Why are you going to continue to do something or not do something that makes your offense better, right? Running the football does not make this Tampa Bay offense better, contrary to what some people probably think. They're like, oh, if you run the football more, they'll play. No, they are fine. They don't run the football well. Just like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles don't do a good job of running this traditional just passing offense. Where are the option plays? Very interesting. See, and I think Tampa Bay is doing a good job of not falling into the, oh, well, Boy, you only scored 24 points. Maybe we need to run the ball more. No, I trust Brady, Leftwich, um, Arians. They're going to be fine. They don't need to run the ball more. Now, I think it could help if maybe they are able to get a little bit more efficient in the running game. I think it would definitely benefit them. I'm not saying it's going to make them worse by any means. I'm not like, oh, well, if they start running the ball well, they're going to get worse. No. If they start running the ball a little bit more and it gets well and efficient and effective, then okay, maybe you can run the ball a little bit more. But as of right now, what I'm seeing from that run game, I do not want more of it. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the Bucks and the Rams. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these core games because, trust me, the back half of these games, oh my god, I almost fell asleep watching some of these things. I just wanted to gouge my eyes. It was, it was bad. This, a lot of the games were not super enjoyable this weekend, especially. It's just some matchups that I was like, meh. Um, Chargers-Chiefs. The Chargers did a very good job limiting the explosive plays for Kansas City. They forced them to be perfect, which Kansas City wasn't being at first. The interception. You got to catch that ball. That was a just spectacular play by Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he should have looked at it and he would have put it right in his hands. The linebackers are going to be there if he doesn't look them up. It was just a spectacular play from Mahomes. No, the throw wasn't great, but you're not getting a great throw if you want to be that wide open. Uh, And that situation, not all the time, uh, that needs to be a catch. Amazing pick by Asante Samuel, though. That dude can play football. I wonder where he gets it from. Um, The fumbles. Just horrible start to the game from Kansas City. Horrible start. And... The Chargers didn't even capitalize as much as I would have liked them to. I think they scored 10 points off of those turnovers. Off of three turnovers. It wasn't great. It wasn't great what they did with the turnovers. But 
what they did after that was the smart thing. So now they get a little bit of jump on Kansas City, which they ended up giving up. But they got this jump on Kansas City. And they limited Casey's explosion. Okay, It's what Baltimore did um, in the comeback. They forced them to, to win with the reads and with the quick game and not giving you the explosive plays that Kansas City is so accustomed to getting. Okay, That carried over into this one. The Chargers eliminated for the most part, the explosive plays from the two big threats, right? I think Kelsey went over 100 yards in this one, um, but still, his explosion was not there, right? There was no crazy big bomb Tyreek play. Exceptional game from Brandon Staley in this Chargers defense. 24 points. They gave up 24 points to the Chiefs. With how that defense is playing right now, you better believe you're getting a victory. You know, if I told you, yeah, uh, they are holding them to 24 points. I know, and they're going to dominate them. Well, yeah, yeah. They did a good job with that, this Kansas City offense. I'm not too worried about it either. I think things will start to open up. They're going to make adjustments. Um, they're going to figure out ways to get their dominant guys out in space to create explosive plays on their own. I think we might want to watch out for Miko Hardman to make some explosive plays that they're going to be like, yeah, we're not going to give you Tyree kills, and they're going to be like, okay, we have another speedy guy that can get down the field and just be a pain in your ass. Um, not counting Kansas City out yet. They lost two games, two very good teams, one in the division. Those are always hard games to win. Uh, I'm not not worried at it all. And now if you wanted to make a conversation about maybe we should be a little bit worried about them winning the division, I could see that, but I still have faith in Kansas City. I think they are better than o- Las Vegas. I think they are better than Denver. And I think overall they are probably better than the Chargers, but the Chargers got the best of them in this game. Justin Herbert, man. I love watching that guy play. I love watching that guy play. He's such a beast. Um, It's funny to me, though. I want to make a point about this Chargers offense. You almost lost this game. Okay, it was a close game. And you had a 4 to nothing turnover margin. I need more capitalization from these guys. You had a 4 to nothing turnover margin, and you almost walked out of here with a loss. That would have been embarrassing. That would have been utterly horrible. Okay? I'm not saying you guys got lucky, but you guys won a 4 to nothing turnover battle and had a skate by with a, a last-minute touchdown. That's not ideal. Okay? Not ideal. Figure that out. All right? All right. Um, for the Chiefs, I said not too worried, um, but I do find it very irritating. Very, 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 very irritating that the one game I put money on Kansas City to over, they're like, maybe we should have this offense with Clyde Edwards and take like seven-minute drives. When has Kansas City, in the history of Patrick Mahomes being there, been like, let's let's have this nice methodical seven-minute drive with Clyde edwards Lair as the primary foe? When? When? When was that ever in your game plan? Did we let Eric Bieniemy, the former running back, take over and be like, Clyde, you screwed up last week, but here you go. You're going to make everything better by rushing for 100 yards. He did not make everything better for me. No. He made it horrible and bad because they didn't cover 55 and a half because they wanted to run seven-minute drives. Kansas City, okay? Kansas City from 2021, not Kansas City from the the the... The Alex Smith era, where Dwayne Bow was their only receiver. Shout out to Dwayne Bow, he was a beast. It's like, dude, what the hell are we doing? Reed, be enemy, come on. I got money on that game. Let's let's figure our stuff out. <laughs> Frustrating that they wanted to establish a run. But the run game looked a little better in this one than it has in the past couple of weeks. But I kind of expected that. Um, this Charger front, other than Linval Joseph, isn't exactly created for stopping the run. We know Brandon Staley's stance on that. Yeah, you can beat us in the pass a little or the run game a little bit, but you're not beating us in the pass. We're gonna get after you. Uh but yeah, so uh, good job, I guess, establishing a weakness and being like, yeah, I think we can win running the football. No, you can't. Throw more bombs to Tyree Kill, please, Andy Reid. Don't appreciate you. Um and again, I want to reiterate this. The Chiefs are fine. They're going to be okay. However, I think they have serious problems at the cornerback position. These guys are just getting beat one-on-one, whether it's Mike Williams beating you, who there's no shame in that physical freak beating you. There's no shame in Keenan Allen beating you. Okay? There really isn't. But it's a problem. Okay? That they need to figure out. And they need to find a way to get those cornerbacks to play better or find a way to not open up those easy 
matchups at that position. Uh, moving on to the Packers 49ers. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Aaron Rodgers. 2015, I believe that quote is from. 2016, maybe. That is exactly what was going through my mind week one. <clears throat> Played a rough game against the Saints. The Saints who have a talented secondary, and they showed it again this week against New England. Those dudes can play football, okay? Facing a defense that had how many months to game plan? And to punch you in the mouth, similar to what we saw Arizona do to Tennessee week one. They had how many months to be like, this is how we're going to stop Devontae Adams. This is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do that. And everybody, Aaron Rodgers is washed. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there. Michael LaFraud. Oh, no. I knew. I was like, I have no worries about this team whatsoever. None. I didn't even bother. I was just like, all right, whatever. Count them out. Played last week. I came into this one. San Francisco was the favorite at minus three. And I said, dude, that makes no sense to me. No sense to me. They're not the better football team. They're not playing better football right now. They don't have the better quarterback. And we can make an argument that they don't even have the better defense. They don't even have the better running game. That was crazy in this one. The Packers had a better running game than the 49ers. Like, legitimately, it looked better. It was executed better. The Packers came to play. Joe Barry, great job on this defense, man. Anyway, you may be saying, Blake, they ended up giving up 28 points to the 49ers. They came out in the second half and played ball, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo, hats off to you. You didn't play great in that first half. You played like crap. Hell, you didn't even play good in that second half, really. But you made throws when you had to make throws. You made that throw to Brandon Ayuk for the touchdown hoop. Good route on Jair. Brandon Ayuk, I'm glad you're finally back. That'll really help my dynasty team. That is one and two now because of your absence week one. But he had that touchdown to Ayuk. He had one to Debo, which Debo just makes an insane catch. But he's trusting his guys to make plays, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is not a guy who's going to throw open guys. He's not Tom Brady. As much as people like to be like, he learned from Tom. He's not Tom Brady. He's not anything. He's an average quarterback, okay? And he was playing like complete and utter crap in that first half. But what did I say? What did I say here at this table, talking into this mic, looking into this camera, which is now looking at you? What did I say? I said, this game relies on the legs, the mind, and the right arm of Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's exactly what happened. When Jimmy when Shanahan said, you know what, we can't get this run game going. It's looked like crap the last two weeks. We just don't have it right now. Jimmy, please. And Jimmy delivered. Yes, there were some plays he got bailed out. That catch by Debo probably should have been broken up by Jair. Just chef's kiss to Debo. Yes, he had a big play down the field to George Kittle, which he didn't do much of. But he was able to have a functioning offense in that second half. And that's what needed to happen. They have great playmakers. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo needed to play like Deshaun Watson last year on the Texans, where it's just him just making everything work. He doesn't have. He just has to be uh, sufficient enough to get these guys the ball out in space to maybe make a throw here and there. And he did that in the second half. And everybody's saying it's time for Lance. It's time for Lance. I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. And here's why. That was a bad first half of football. From Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no doubt about it. I think it was also a little bit on Shanahan too. As much as everybody's... Oh, Kyle Shanahan's to blame? A little bit. I don't think the play calling uh, switched up enough. I thought it was very clear early on. This run game just isn't... It isn't what it has been. Right? Trying so much of that jet sweep stuff. It's almost like they knew coming in. We're not going to be able to run the football like we did the last time on these guys. But they, try, they were just trying to get that run. And it wasn't working. And they were like asking... Uh, it just wasn't good in the first half. The play call and the execution, none of it was good in that first half. But why didn't he go to Trey Lance at halftime? Right? Why didn't he be like, you know what? I think it's time for Trey Lance. Why? It just, 
it doesn't feel like he's ready. Of all the guys, Trey Lance was my guy. I love Trey Lance. I loved all of these rookie quarterbacks, to be honest. But I love Trey Lance. I thought San Francisco was the perfect place for him. And I, I thought... I think San Francisco is relatively bust-proof. So I was like, hell yeah, because if he ended up in the wrong situation, he was going to be bad. Like, if Trey Lance ended up on the Jets, yikes. But I don't think Trey Lance is ready. I think Kyle Shanahan would be using more and more and more of Trey Lance if he thought he was ready, and we'd see more integration and maybe some of the normal offensive stuff. We're not seeing that right now. I don't think he's ready. Relax. Okay, because you know what the other thing is too? If you go to Trey Lance, you can't go back. You cannot go back. So wait till he's ready. What's the harm in it? You're still a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as you hate to admit it. This Green Bay team was my pick to win the Super Bowl. Come on. And you're you're mad because you you left 37 seconds for one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to come back and beat you on a field goal? That isn't on Jimmy. Right? We're talking like Jimmy Jimmy played piss poor in the first half. I'm not shying away from that. But the, he is the reason they were in the ball in the ball game in the second half. He is the reason that Aaron Rodgers needed to kick a field goal to win this game. Did he play great? No. Did he get some help from guys like Kittle and Debo? Yes. You should though. Those are phenomenal playmakers. Why like why is it some big knock that he's getting help from those playmakers? He got bailed out a little bit. Every quarterback does. I, I don't I, I hate to break this to you. Every quarterback does. Once you go Trey, you can't go back. There's no way. Let's say next week you're like, you know what? Damn, I've had enough of Jimmy. Put in Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is worse. <gasps> you didn't think that's a possibility? You don't think that maybe a rookie quarterback who hasn't started an NFL or a football game in how long? I think it's over a year. <gasps> maybe the incredibly raw rookie might be worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. Did that ever occur to you? Right now, I would say you have a better chance of winning with Jimmy Garoppolo and using Trey Lance in this, this role that he's in right now. I think he brings so much to the offense right now. If you had him be your full-time starter and teams are game planning and being like, Trey Lance, beat us like this. Uh, that's when things start to get scary. I like the way they're using him now. He has an element on the goal line that Jimmy Garoppolo does not. And he's the only reason they scored a touchdown at the end of the half. Jimmy ain't getting that, right? He adds an element to this team that makes them better. I'm not disputing that. And maybe you could make an argument for them, maybe just turning it up a notch. Maybe on third and less than fours, you're like, Trey Lance time. Maybe anytime you get inside the 10, Trey Lance time, right? Maybe. I don't know if Trey right now as the starting quarterback is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's say he sucks. He's bad. And if we're looking at rookie quarterbacks so far, they've all been bad. Right? Let's say Trey Lance looks like that. You lose three straight games against winnable matchups that you probably are like, man, I think feel like we should have won those games, but Trey Lance just played bad. You don't get to go back to Jimmy. You don't get to now be like, all right, you know what? Oh, man, Jimmy... You give us a better chance of making the playoffs this year. Get back in there. What is that going to do to Trey Lance? Like, you think Trey Lance is going to be like, okay, thank you guys. No, that's going to be so horrible for his development and his confidence and all of these things, all of these intangible things. You can't do that. And it's the same thing that I've been harping with the Bears about Justin Fields, okay? Once you went to Dalton, you couldn't go back to Fields. And... Now we'll transition into this Bears game, because I think it's a very similar point, and that's what I have next up on the schedule. I don't believe Justin Fields made this offense better. Okay? So what's the point? Honestly, what is the point? I mean, now you have to because Andy Dolan's hurt, and I don't want to, like, bench and start Nick Foles now over Justin Fields. That's idiotic. Justin Fields is the guy until Andy Dolan's ready again. But what is the point of throwing Justin Fields out here to get mutilated every week? What is the point of throwing Justin Fields out here to run an offense that is piss-poor coached, piss-poor play calling, piss-poor execution? It's all bad. There's nothing good about this offense. Allen Robinson looks like crap. Allen Robinson looks bad. Bad. 
He's not good right now. This offensive line is atrocious. And you know whose fault this is? Matt Nagy. The play calling wasn't as bad as some people are making it out to seem. It wasn't good by any means. I'm not giving him a, a, a freaking gold ribbon for like, you know what? Good effort. No, it was, it was bad. It wasn't good at all. But the execution is so horrible. Wide receivers can't get open. At all. And it's like, yes, this you guys underestimated this Browns defense. I know you did. You went into this game, and you were like, oh, they have Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett. And I was saying it all last year. This defense has potential to be very, very good if they get another piece or two to kind of help out. Well, they got more than a piece or two. And every, I, I, I had this feeling that a lot of people were coming in here like, I think Justin Fields can. No, this defense is legit. And I get that. This is a good defense. But Allen Robinson did not get separation all in that game. Allen Robinson played like crap. Where's Darnell Mooney? Where's Darnell Mooney? Honest to God, I know your offensive line sucks. Give Justin Fields an option downfield, please, God. But Darnell Mooney's not playing good football either. Nobody on that offensive line is playing good football. The only guy on this entire offense that's playing good football is David Montgomery. And he even had, I think, a play that I looked and I was like, oh, there's David Montgomery, top eight running back. Um, and then everything else is just bad. Justin Fields was bad. You want to give him bailouts. You want to say the play calling was bad. The exit, Yeah, yeah, all of that was. He was bad too, okay? Because I want to highlight something. There was a time there where Matt Nagy had things going. They ran, gosh, I'm forgetting. Did I write down the sequence? Um, there was one sequence where they had an RPO throw to Allen Robinson, which got them, I believe, a first downer. It got them down to about second and four. Then they run inside zone with the threat of Justin Fields to take off and maybe pick up the first, which the defense didn't even bite. It's 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 funny how little respect they're giving everybody on this Bears offense right now. Um, it's just they were like, yeah, okay, yeah, Justin Fields is not going to run it. Matt Nagy, we know this is inside zone. You didn't you didn't call zone read, Matt Nagy. Um, but they call that. And I'm like, okay, we're getting something going here. And then what is the next play that they run? I believe it's play action. I don't think it was RPO. And it's this this hitch route, essentially. Maybe maybe deeper. Maybe it was more of a curl from Allen Robinson. And Justin Fields sails this thing. Sails this thing over Allen Robinson. And then kills the drive. Kills the drive completely. I'm not saying Matt Nagy was great or good or even sufficient. But you had something going there. Matt Nagy called a solid three plays for things to get going. And I, I felt it a little bit. A little bit. Not a lot of it, but a little bit. Go back and watch that. I believe it was in the third quarter. And this game was still in reach. The Browns didn't really blow this thing open until late. Um, But it felt like they were still in this game. And they started to get something going on that offensive drive. And I felt it. I was like, okay. And then Justin Fields just sails this thing. Ten yards over the head of Allen Robinson. And just like a balloon. Ooh. You felt it. As soon as that ball sailed over Allen Robinson, the drive was done. The game was done. Justin Fields does not play good. He has the excuses. He does. Okay? I'm not saying this is my definitive answer on Justin Fields. I think he's over. But my point still stands. And I'm going to continue saying this point. When Andy Dalton gets back, if they make the move back to Dalton, good move. Because Justin Fields does not make this offense better. Okay? He does not. This offense is bad. He doesn't fix it. The play calling doesn't get better. Nothing opens up. We were like, oh my God. Justin, and even I had this belief a little bit too. You're going to bring Justin Fields in here. He's going to have some ability to make things happen with his legs. right? He's going to extend some plays. He's going to do this and that. He doesn't even have a pocket to step up in or roll out of. This offensive line is so bad. It's a bad offensive line. It's a bad play calling. And it's a bad execution by everybody. Wide receivers looks like they don't know their landmark. They don't know how to get open. They don't know their assignments, it looks like. They're just going through the motions. It's And that's why he should be fired, in my opinion. This offense has not gotten better. They are not well coached. They're poorly coached. Not even the play calling. Just from him being the head coach of an offense, and he's an offensive guy that looks like this, he needs to be gone. Keep Sean Desai, though. That man is doing a great job on the defensive side of the ball. Shout out to him is maybe the only salvageable thing about this Browns team right now. Uh, it's just bad. Our Bears. Bears team. Uh, Browns. Uh, JOK is a bad man. And Demetric Felton getting catches. What the hell, man? This this team is this team is unfair. It, it really is. 
Best GM in football. Best GM in football, without a doubt. Washington Buffalo. Ooh, ooh, this one hurts. This one hurts. Um, this defense has been bad for three straight games. And what I've kind of concluded it to be, I've heard some talk of, of some, some guys I respect a lot saying, well, I think it's because they're too static in their coverages, right? You know what you're going to get. A lot of two high things, right? Running a lot of three, which isn't one high, but they're running a lot of three and a lot of four. To me, I drew a little bit of a different conclusion. One, this defensive line, not being trying to be crazy here, sucks right now. They're not playing good football. Jonathan Allen, maybe. De'Aaron Payne isn't playing well. Ionitis, Sweat, Young, none of those guys are playing good football right now. And it's showing up. Because the pocket, the man, the pockets that Josh Allen was throwing from, I was like, dude. That's how it would look in a football movie. They'd be like, okay, all right, got to make sure we get that pocket perfect so we get a really good shot. I was like, oh, man, are we filming Remember the Titans 2 here or something? Because, man, just perfect pockets. And the Bills' offensive line isn't that good. They got mutilated by Pittsburgh week one, right? This isn't like some strength of the Bills. It's like our offensive line can go toe-to-toe with anybody ever. No. But you know what the difference between what Pittsburgh was doing and what Washington was doing and where I'm getting frustrated with this defense? Twists and stunts and feints and things like that. I didn't see... I mean, I'm sure there were. Where were the stunts at? Where were the twists at? It was so static from this defensive line. It was like, just get up the field. Just get up the field and, you know, hit a pass rush move and then get a sack doesn't work like that, especially with how this defensive line looks like it's playing with no confidence. It looks like it's, like, uh, uh, how do I, like, put this into words? It looks, like, robotic, okay? Everything looks premeditated, calculated. They're not making plays. And what I mean by that, it's, like, you watch Miles Garrett play. Extreme example. But you watch Miles Garrett play, and you can tell that it's just coming natural to him. He feels, oh, this move. This one. And maybe he might premeditate some things. That's when you get those really quick sheds. But you can tell he flows and he, he understands. This defensive line outside of Allen does not really seem to be doing it right now. If their first thing doesn't work, they look screwed. And where are the twists? Use your twist to get freaks like Sweat and Young open. Use your twist to hopefully get a, a, a single block on Jonathan Allen who can jack some stuff up. Very worried. It's almost like they... They walked in, and they were like, we have a good defensive line. We're just going to let them rush statically. No, man. No. Don't just, just because you have something good doesn't mean you can't help to make it better. It's like when Matt LaFleur came into Green Bay and started using a lot more motion. It made the offense that much more better. Just because you have a good thing in Rodgers and Adams doesn't mean you can't get it better. You want everything to be better. You know why? Because somebody's going to catch up. Somebody's going to adapt. Somebody's going to figure you out. So you need to get better and better and adapt and add wrinkles and add this and that. If you're just rushing up the field like a, a freshman football team defense, you're going to be screwed. Screwed. And I'm not saying Washington has to come out here and be like, you know, Bama style. We're going to just run so many looks to frustrate you. We're going to do this and that and this. No. Just small things. Rotate some coverages, man. Run some twists at the line of scrimmage. Small things. Small things. I'm not asking them to rewrite the book. I'm asking them to make some damn annotations. For the Bills. Play action helps this offense so much. Even though they're not great at running the football. I think they had a couple with Singletary in this one. They're not the best running team. But the play action just opens up so many things. I looked last year. We know. It's kind of like a love-hate relationship with them. But, uh... PFF had Josh Allen rated much higher on his play action last year, which is his big year, right? And it, I don't know if it's anecdotally. I don't know if they actually ran more play action this game. But it felt like they ran more play action, and it felt way, way, way more effective of an offense. So more play action for the Bills. It's not going to hurt you at all. You don't necessarily need a phenomenal running game to be able to run the play action. I mean, keep my run here and there. I think Singletary has some ability to, to give teams some headaches, but run more play action. I think that was kind of what loosened up Josh Allen in this game, allowed him to, to feel more comfortable and feel more natural. He looked good. He looked better. His touch was good and all that. Indianapolis Colts. We need to have a talk. 
We need to address the state of the union of the Indianapolis Colts. I don't want to be brash. I don't want to seem like I'm reaching at straws here. I don't want to seem absurd. Your season is over. It is. I hate to break this to you. Tennessee is going to run away with that division. Okay? Houston isn't for real. Jacksonville isn't for real. Barring a crazy injury for the Tennessee Titans, they're winning the division. Okay? You are not. You aren't good enough at the quarterback position. And I want this to be another note. You need to bench Carson Wentz. Okay? See what you have in Jake Eason. Why not? But more importantly for that draft pick, if you keep playing like this and you keep getting performances like this out of Carson Wentz, we might be looking at a top 10, 14 draft pick in the first round. So do not let him hit that 75% of snaps threshold or whatever the hell it is. Bench him. Unless you want to lose a, a top 16 first round pick because the direction you're training right now isn't good. It isn't good. I think you're a well-coached football team. That defense played a mighty fine game in this one. They were forcing turnovers and doing this and that. And your offense just couldn't get anything going. It was a horrible performance. He's not the guy. Don't continue. You're going to end up getting screwed out of a first-round draft pick if you keep trusting this idea that Carson Wentz might potentially be your guy. Okay? And I know Colts fans are pissed because we thought I had high expectations for you guys too. I was like, you know what? This is going to be the year. They're going to win the division. Carson Wentz is going to play just good enough. He hasn't. And maybe you want to say, but Blake, he was playing on a hurt ankle. Okay, whatever. You're down. You haven't won a game yet. Okay. And you've played tough teams. It's not like you've, you've had a cakewalk of a schedule so far. But you, you've got to start figuring some things out. Or, and I think it's not worth it. Okay. Because you need to make the playoffs and make a run or else your, your pick is going to be pretty high. I don't think you're going to finish with some 11-1 record and barely make the playoffs. Or miss the playoffs. Okay. Move on from Wentz. I'm not saying cut him. I'm not saying I don't know what the salary situation is for getting rid of him. But bench him. Do not lose that first-round pick to the Eagles. Really. That would be just horrible if you let him get the condition to, to boost that thing into the first round. You're already losing a second-round pick, which is completely detrimental. But please, 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 please. The season, it's not salvageable. You're not going to make it as a wild card. The AFC, the AFC West is full of thugs. You have those two dominant teams in the, the North. I think uh, 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 Miami in the East is going to start getting things figured out here. They played a really good game against a good uh, Las Vegas team. Wave the white flag. Wave the white flag. And I'm not saying don't try to win football games. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying wave the white flag in that sense. But you have a lot to lose by being bad this year with Carson Wentz playing the football games. Don't put that thing on the line. Okay, don't put that first-round pick on the line. That is what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't try to win football games. I'm not saying don't play competitive. I'm not saying tank in that aspect. But your season is done. Cut your losses. And just realize, hey, Wentz was not the answer. He's not going to get us into the playoffs this year and maybe never because he sucks. But let's not lose that first-round pick here. That is what I want to say. Cut your losses, Indianapolis. Um... It feels like for Tennessee, on a more uh, positive note, it feels like the back end of this defense is playing a little better. Christian Fulton is kind of showing some flashes. Um, but, yeah, not too much more to say on this one. Okay, we're going to get into a little bit of a speed round now. Uh, Dolphins Raiders. Brissett did a better job in the second half. Uh, even they were up 14-3. to They got that defensive touchdown, which was a miscommunication. I'm not crapping on Derek Carr too much for that one. Um, but, yeah, I really do think that they could. They're, gonna, they're not a pushover, right? They're not a pushover with Jacoby Brissett. Um, so just watch out for them. They have, I'm pretty sure they have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL, so they could still be a playoff threat. I think they could take a couple games. I can't remember who they play this Sunday, but I could definitely see Miami being a team that wins a couple games that we're absolutely surprised by. Uh, for the Raiders, good job to stay resilient. I didn't like that they were even in a position to go into overtime in this one after that big lead, especially because it ruined my cover. But... Um, 
resilient, okay? This team is nasty. This team is mean. This team does not like losing, and it's apparent. They, they're not rolling over and dying ever. They're just staying and being just mean SOBs. I love Hobbs. Nate Hobbs, in my opinion, is the most impactful rookie not named Jamal Chase. This dude is an absolute stud, Nate Hobbs. Fifth round. Fifth round. Just dominating the nickel for the Raiders. Uh, Bengals Steelers. Jamar Chase is legit. Look, we overthought it in the preseason. Oh, the drops, the drops, the drops. Drops are irrelevant. Dude is an absolute dog. For the Steelers, I don't want to sound, again, I don't want to sound crazy. I don't want to sound rash or um, impulsive. You're not winning with Big Ben. Okay? And I really do think you have a better shot of making the playoffs with Dwayne Haskins. Oh, my God. Never thought these words would be coming out of my mouth. I think you have a better shot at making the playoffs with Dwayne Haskins than you do with Big Ben. Because Dwayne Haskins is not very good. But I think Dwayne Haskins could put a ball down the field and not get not throw a flat route on 4th and 10. That's all I have to say. Uh, Seahawks-Vikings. Um, these corners for Seattle are so bad. So bad. And I don't know if it's it's because it's because they're bad. It's because they suck. It really is. But there, it also doesn't help that they have no pressure coming from the defensive line either. So it's just both of those things being bad are just ruining this defense right now. It is easily one of the worst in the league. This defense is an absolute, complete joke. Um, Kirk Cousins legitimately has been elite this year. I'm really trying to think if there have been five quarterbacks better than Kirk Cousins. Carr, Herbert, Mahomes, Brady, Dak. There's the five. Maybe Lamar. But Kirk Cousins is playing amazing this year. None of the problems for the Vikings have been Kirk Cousins. Let's take us through this. Minnesota could be 3-0 right now, and honestly, I would be putting Kirk Cousins bets, uh, MVP bets right now, if I didn't think the Rams are going to be so good and they're just going to hand that thing to Matthew Stafford, that's how I think it's going to go, but Kirk MVP bets are, he's been good, okay, let's take, let's take you through, the Vikings are 1-2 right now. This beat a good team in Seattle where Kirk Cousins had an elite showing, diced his defense up. I know it's a bad defense, but this was a huge win that the Vikings needed, and he came out there and balled out, was making amazing throws somewhere wide open. But Kirk, amazing. Let's take you to week two against the Cardinals. Kirk plays well in that game. Kirk has a really good one. He, he's down, has this two-minute drill to get us in the field goal range. Oh, us. I let it slip. Now you guys know. Um, and he shanks it. And that was a makeable field goal. I am walking away from that thinking, Kirk, you did what you could. Okay? You did what we could. All right? No blame on you. And anybody who knows me knows I am the Kirk Cousins blamer. We could score 56 points in a game, and I'm going to be walking away if we lost. I'm like, God damn you, Kirk. Not this year. Not this year. In my eyes, Kirk Cousins did everything that the Vikings needed for him to win that Cardinals game. That's not on Kirk. Kirk did it. Then, let's look back at the Cincinnati game. They were down with, I want to say, a minute 13, no timeouts, and Kirk Cousins leads them back to kick a game-tying field goal to get them into overtime. Then, gets the ball and almost puts them into field goal range. If it wasn't for a Dalvin Cook fumble, this could be a 3-0 football team right now with Kirk Cousins having two game-winning drives and a dominant performance against a good Seattle team. What more does Kirk Cousins need to do this year? It's the play calling that has been my issue and, and on the defensive side of the ball. But, hey, defense had a good half. They were down 17-7 to at one point. And they come back and defense played well in this, this game, although Shane Waldron's play calling wasn't top tier. But this Vikings team, I was ready to count them out. I was ready to say this play calling is bad. This play calling is unsalvageable. It looks good in this one. Now, mind you, it was against a crappy Seattle team. I'm not doing too many victory laps for Clint Kubiak right now. But if he can continue, just call every game like Alexander Madison is your running back because I think it's going to allow Dalvin Cook to be that much more effective. Continue to do this. The offensive line was good, but again, against a horrible... Maybe that's what it was. Maybe Clint had more openness in his uh, passing play calling because he felt like, 
oh, I know they're not going to be able to get pressure. But the play calling felt fresh. It felt unique. It felt like nothing I've seen from a Viking game over the last eight years. Mike Zimmer said it in his post-game presser. Got the alert from ESPN. Mike Zimmer says, oh, this is the best I've seen that offense in eight years I've been here. And he might not be wrong. It was very good. Just master class. Can they do it against a real defense? That's going to be the question for the Vikings. And that's going to be kind of the thing that we're looking at if they want to sneak into the playoffs this year and Mike Zimmer to keep, keep his job. Uh, Ravens-Lions. Uh, Lions games are so fun to watch. I love that offensive line. Ragnow, Sewell, John Jackson. Treat. And TJ Hawkinson, of course. And Quintess Evis. Maybe I'm a resident Lions fan this year. And Dan Campbell. Who doesn't love Dan Campbell? But, um, yeah, beast of an O-line. It's so fun to watch. And I told you guys. I told you guys this might be a potential upset alert for the Ravens. I thought they were going to snap out of that a little bit earlier on, but they didn't and needed a 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. Tip my cap to you. But let's not forget something here. No, it's not the penalty. I know that yeah, that should have been a penalty. But that's not what I'm talking about. Lamar converted a, converted a fourth and 19 to get them down there in that situation. I feel like that's not getting talked about enough. Like, is it just me or is everybody glossing over the fact that they were facing a 4th and 19 to lose to the Lions and Lamar converted? Yes, Justin Tucker got them that win. They don't get in that position without Lamar converting that 4th and 19. And I also kind of liked the way this offense was going about. It felt a little bit more pass-centered. They were getting Hollywood going down the field. He just didn't do a good job with some of them. Unfortunately, we know how much I love Hollywood Brown here. Um, but I did kind of like the direction that this offense was going in this one. It felt like they were trying to incorporate this as a passing first offense a little bit more. Um, results weren't there, but I think it's good experience. Right? It's good experience for them to get used to, to trying to play the game that way. Um, they had two touchdowns left on the board from Hollywood Brown in that same drive. So... I like the direction that this offensive trend that this offense is trending. This is kind of what I envision them being a little bit more of coming into the year, and hopefully they get Rashawn Bateman back soon. Uh, Jet zero to Broncos twenty six. I really do feel bad for Sam. Uh, not I almost said Sam Donald. Zach Wilson. I really feel bad for the kid. <laughs> he couldn't have got a worse stretch of defenses to play in his first couple of starts. Patriots and Bill Belichick, Broncos and Vic Vangio, and then you got Phil Snow in that dominant. Panthers defense so far this year I don't know like I don't know what we expected from from Wilson better days will come I guarantee you um Cardinals Jaguars this was really a master class of a game that I watched I watched this game and I was sitting there and I thought oh my gosh I have never seen two play callers make the game so freaking hard on their quarterbacks it's horrible. It's horrible what these two have to go to. I feel so bad for them. I sympathize for them so much. These offensive coordinators suck. Cliff Kingsbury is so bad. So bad. It doesn't get talked about enough. He is horrendous. Kyler Murray makes him look like a competent NFL coach when in reality he needs to go back to Tech. I don't even know if he'd be allowed at Texas Tech right now. He might need to go to like, I don't know, Oregon State or some shit like that. Kingsbury is not good. Okay. And Daryl Bevel, I had some hopes. I, I was watching the preseason. I was like, I like the way this offense. No, all of that down the toilet, down the toilet. I have never seen two offenses make life so hard on their quarterback. It's like they're like, I've heard a bunch of theories. Oh, Matt Nagy called the game bad so that we'd want Andy Dalton because he wants really uh, Justin Fields to look bad. If if there was somebody waiting in the wings for Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Kyler Murray, I would 1,000% think that. I'd be like, dude, are they trying to make these guys look bad? But you know what the thing is? They persevered. Kyler had a, a, a shaky interception that I didn't love the look of. It looked like it was on a deep post against a cover one guy that just, or a, a one high guy and a cover three that just kind of ran back on it. And I was like, hmm, don't love that, Kyler. And, um, but yeah, overall, I thought that they... Did a solid job for the condition that they were given. Byron Murphy, beast. I love Byron Murphy. Um, Saints, Pats. It's not a fun defense to play when you have nobody that could separate one-on-one. That's really all I got to say. Falcons, Giants. I had no notes. I really didn't know what to put here. These are probably the the two most boring uh, and painful teams to watch play football. They're both... Poorly coached. Joe Judge, 
needs to be gone yesterday. Uh, Arthur Smith just has this offense looking like they have no idea what they're going to do. I, I, I don't know. Both of these teams are frustrating to watch. Um, how much time? Oh, ah, we've gone over a little bit. Um, frustrated with Nick Sirianni in that Monday night game. I wanted to see a little bit more of their option game, and it felt like they just totally abandoned it. Uh, they had a good run with Miles Sanders near the end of the half, although they did get into that hole early. But uh, when they were down two possessions, like why did they not try the running game out a little bit more? You dominate, right? That Dallas defensive line isn't some unit that you're going to have trouble running the ball against. Really, you ha- the one they called two run plays to Miles Sanders, I'm pretty sure. And then one of them was that 27-yard gain where I was like, oh, my gosh, Miles Sanders, there we go. He's elusive. He can do that. And they were just like, nah, whatever. We'll throw Jalen Hurts to the Wolves. <laughs> it just made no sense to me. I don't know what the hell Nick Sirianni was doing. Um, but, yeah, Trayvon Diggs, once again, is a beast, even though that was more on Devonta Smith from falling down. But there were some other plays. There was a breakup that he had on Devonta Smith over the middle of the field. I really love what Trayvon Diggs is playing like this year. So if you had a, a rookie cornerback from last year, I'm mainly talking to Lions fans here, um, but I'm also talking about a trade that went down. Um, if you had a rookie quarterback from cornerback from last year and you didn't play great, do not worry. Okay, it was a weird off season. A lot of defensive rookies didn't play last year, play well last year. But now you have guys like Trayvon Diggs taking a big step up. You have Byron Murphy taking a solid step up. You um, and I anticipate much of the same for C.J. Henderson in Carolina. I don't know what Urban Meyer was doing there. I have no words. I'm planning on watching some C.J. Henderson film. Hopefully, if week two stuff gets uploaded fully. Um, well, yeah, I'm planning to do a little bit more on C.J. Henderson. Maybe dropping a YouTube video about it. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, puzzling. Puzzling, to say the least, from Urban Meyer there. Um, I think that wraps it up for the Thursday night game. Just enjoy. Just enjoy the two rookie quarterbacks. We're gonna, and you guys are going to see, uh, most likely, what I mean when I say it feels like Daryl Bevel is just trying, trying to make life harder on Trevor Lawrence. But that should be fun to watch those two young quarterbacks play. I'm hoping um, the the... The things start to come around for Trevor Lawrence. He looked a little bit better last week. Last week was probably the best he's looked, in my opinion. So I'm excited. I hope we see some more good. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys share this with a couple of friends. You made it to the end. I say this every time. You guys are the P1 listeners. Share this with a couple of your friends. um, And make sure you guys let them know about Best Bets, which we will be having on the Friday podcast. And remind them, we went 4-0 this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Blake Sorensen with STB Sports. Peace and love.